Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast you can hear every week on NWI.com and on iTunes. I'm your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Oren on Twitter. And Union Street Hoops is dedicated to Valparaiso basketball, the Missouri Valley Conference, and really just the excitement that is coming with the 2018-19 college basketball season. We are on the eve of the season. You know, we keep counting down to different things here, but but Valpo's closed scrimmage with UIC is Saturday. I'm recording this on Friday. When you get this, it'll you know, whenever you hear this over the next couple of days, uh, it's time. Valpo basketball is coming six days away from an exhibition game at the Arc Valpo against Indianapolis on November 1st, and then the home opener, the season opener against Concordia University Chicago a couple days after that, Tuesday, November 6th, and and really we're getting going here. Uh, loaded episode for you today. Really just, it's myself and Todd Eichau, the play-by-play announcer of Valpo basketball, sitting down and revealing the 2018-19 Valpo basketball over-unders. This is something that I've done for a couple years now with uh, some good success a couple years ago. we I like to go to Vegas, right? Uh, you like to play the, the futures bets and, and all of that. Um, and it was looking at players and kind of picking out statistical categories and trying to set where I thought they would be. And a couple of years ago, we did this. Uh, just been doing it for, for several years now with just some buddies, you know, kind of joking around a little bit. Hey, what do you think they're going to do here? Um, and we did it a couple of years ago, and it was great. Uh, good podcast fodder for Parker Gatewood and myself. And then last year, we're like, ah, we should do it again. And, you know, it was really like on a whim. We just sat down and threw numbers out and and really didn't put a lot of research into the numbers, which is where you get stuck proclaiming that someone's going to be the next Alec Peters. Uh, Let's not talk about it. Um, But what happened there was, you know, we just kind of threw some numbers out there. We didn't really know what to expect at all last season. This year, A, I think it's a little bit easier of what to expect, and B, uh, I took a lot more time sitting down and, and kind of crafting out these numbers. And the the first reveal of them is going to be on this podcast. And I sat down with Todd Eichau, and I fired off the numbers to him, which he had not seen. I didn't give him a sheet of paper that had him on it or anything like that. And it just as we went, I fired off these numbers to him. So as you listen, feel free to uh, to to write down what, you think is going to happen with these numbers, um, points per game for a couple players, offensive rebounds per game, blocks, field goal percent, all sorts of fun stuff like that. And then the team ones, how many wins is Valpo going to have? How many wins in the conference tournament are they going to have? What's their longest conference winning streak or losing streak going to be? Um, how many people are going to go to games at the arc? It's just a kind of a fun way to follow the season a little bit and follow some of the players that are out there. Uh, what you can do then is uh, as you go through and you listen to these, if you want to jot it down, shoot me an email, pgmado at gmail.com. It's my email address. Easy, easy to, to find me there, and uh, shoot me an email and throw you know throw your over unders there. Uh, I will also put this up on the Valpo message board, which uh, if you know what that is, you can find it. Um, good community of Valpo fans that uh, are are very uh, very passionate about the team, and it's always kind of fun to check in and, and feel maybe the heartbeat a little bit at least of the internet uh, and and feel what what they're thinking. But we'll put that on there too. So the idea last year was to whoever got the most picks correct 
was going to have them as a guest on Union Street Hoops. And ultimately that failed partially because right around the time the season ended and everything that we had some uncertainty with, uh, with, you know, Parker was, was, was leaving and, and we ended up doing farewell with that. And a couple episodes, we just, we didn't do the podcast as much as we should have. And it just never came to fruition. And, uh, I tried to reach out to the person that, that won and I never heard anything back. So, um, again, email me, let me know. And if you, if you're going to email me and you're on the message board, let me know what your handle is or whatever. So I don't, I don't count them twice, but whatever that may be, Valpo over-unders is a lot of fun. Uh, before we get into that, though, um, a little bit of news going on. Uh, Jay Soroya is injured. Um, not sure the extent, but uh, apparently got hurt, rolled an ankle in a practice, and uh, has been spotted uh, around, went to a couple of volleyball matches uh, in a walking boot and on crutches. And then uh, Valpo had this event at the Hammond Civic Center that I attended last weekend where uh, where the team came out and practiced in front of fans and all of that. And it was kind of a fun event. And uh, Soroya was not in attendance to that. So uh, clearly something's going on. Not exactly sure the extent. Uh, we included him on the over-unders. Still think he's going to contribute this season. Don't know the extent. We'll probably find out more um, next week when we start to have kind of some regularly scheduled media availability with uh, Valparaiso coach Matt Loddick. Um, haven't had that yet. Haven't, uh, you know, they've got their scrimmage against UIC, and so we'll meet probably early next week to go through, um, you know, even if they could talk about that scrimmage, but just getting ready for the exhibition and, and what we should expect to see. So sounds like Soroya is, uh, is, is hobbled. Uh, not sure if maybe he's in a walking boot and he's going to be fine or if he's going to miss some time or, or, or whatever that situation may be. So something to monitor for Valpo going forward. Uh, that said, I want to bring Todd Eichau in now. And uh, Todd and I kind of talk a little bit about last season a bit. First time we've had Todd on the podcast since the last year. And talk about maybe... Valpo's adaption to the Missouri Valley Conference, what he saw from his role in the traveling party a little bit, and then we'll jump into the over-unders. So again, Valpo over-unders, shoot me an email, pgmado at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you like the numbers. Pick where you think they're going to fall. Looking forward to this. Todd, thank you for stopping in and uh, spending time with us here as we are less than three weeks away from the beginning of the 2018-19 season. Paul, pleasure to be here. Uh, very, very excited, as always. Uh, some seasons more excited than others, for obvious reasons. And I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I, I love the Valley. Uh, it was a great experience last year. Uh, obviously, we lost a lot of close games early on in, in conference play. Uh, that was disappointing. Um, went through a season that had a lot of ups and downs. Uh, I was asked yesterday at practice, is this a better team than last year? I asked, was asked that by two different coaches at two different times. So I, that must be a conversation that's going on yeah. among the coaches. And w it would appear, now things change as the season goes on. Uh, every season is a fluid where players get injured, pl players don't play as well as you thought, certain things happen. But on the surface, this team is clearly better than last year's. And you, know, you go position for position, and, and without question, it is. I asked Matt Loddick at uh, Valley Media Day, what do you know now that you didn't know a year ago? And he joked, uh, we know what hotels to stay at now. 
But let me ask you that from, you know, you're a member of the traveling party. Obviously, you, you don't play, but you're a member of the traveling party. How how much do you think all of that stuff plays into the uh, the uncertainty of of moving to new cities, scouting new teams? I mean, all of that stuff that, you know, is just talent, take that away. But all of the new stuff that you have to do the first year in a league. I, I think uh, probably shouldn't have much effect. Um you have to remember, and the travel, you know, other teams are coming to Valpo for the first time. That's, so the, yeah, so fair. for half the games, the other teams have to worry about some of the problems that maybe you, you're talking about. But as far as scouting the teams, again, teams have to scout Valpo. They don't yeah. know as much about Valpo. So, so that, that should offset the, advantage, the disadvantage of not knowing much about your opponent, et cetera. It, that type of stuff should even out. Um, so I don't think that was really a factor a year ago. What was really a factor um, was Valpo lost uh, Joe Burton after they had won, you know, eight straight games, and it sucked the life out of the team. Yeah, quite frankly, they depended on him to do so much, and uh, it wasn't like losing Michael Jordan. But for whatever reason, uh, and Joe was close with a handful of players. Um, and it took really a while to get back going. By the end of the conference, by the last month, Valpo was playing well. Now they did not play well in, in the conference tournament, and that was disappointing. Um, but remember, by the end of the month, by the end of the year, they'd gone to Drake and spanked them. And that um, game at Loyola was they played and they really played well. well. They played well in the game at Loyola, no doubt about it. So by the end of the year, I think Valpo was playing where we thought they could be playing. But there was a stretch of about six weeks, starting with I think that game at Riverside, where Joe Burton's gone, and we got to get through it, and the players are not adjusting to it very well. Um, and then there were, you know, Bakari Evelyn was not healthy for a certain point point uh, in conference play at the beginning. Obviously, Tavon Walker went through some issues with mono, uh, and that they end up six and twelve in the league. Uh, but the first six, seven games, it was like, we're done. They were not there. It, that was a really disappointing stretch yeah. and a very frustrating stretch. But I credit Matt and the coaches and the players. Uh, again, by the final six weeks, they were playing Valpo basketball, and hopefully that's a carryover into this year. Two years ago, you've got the Jabril Adekoya situation. Last year, you got the Joe Burton situation. Is it time for things to go right for Valpo? Yeah, and they've had, and there's been issues as well with injuries. Everybody goes through injuries, uh, certainly sicknesses, uh, you know, when Bryce Drew was here, and uh, perhaps it was the prang, but I don't know, but it, there was very little adversity throughout the course. I mean, there was the one, uh, some eligibility situations, but very little adversity at all. Uh, injury, almost no major injuries. Yeah, Keith at, Carter at, was about it. At, at all for Valpo throughout the course of, of Bryce's tenure. It was amazing. Um, and now in Matt's two years, not only the Jabril situation, but you were rolling and then you lost Alec Peters for the season. Uh, you end up losing Joe Burton. You're 8-0, and, and all of a sudden Tavon Walker gets mono. Uh, it was really – it's really been a very difficult two years of quote-unquote luck or lack thereof. For this Valpo program. So hopefully it turns around and all adds up this year. It feels like anything that can go wrong has gone wrong. But yeah. as you said, they're they're pointed in the right direction. This year looks like should be a better year team than last year. And and obviously everything pointing toward, you know, the maybe the nineteen twenty season. But 
you know, as, as we've seen it in all sorts of sports, the Cubs arrived a year early. Maybe the Milwaukee Brewers arrived a year early. So maybe Valpo can arrive a well, year early. Well, and, and I never like to look too far ahead. I mean, yeah. obviously you look. I watched practice yesterday. Aaron Gordon looks tremendous. Um, uh, you know, he looks like a Big East player. He was in the Big East. I, I don't know how he didn't excel there because I watch him play, and he has a, a world of ability at – and the same thing with with Fizikis. I mean, this guy can shoot the lights out, uh, and he's six eight. Uh, now he did start that first year at Providence, um, and then he had some sicknesses in his second year. No, oh, he got mono and, while he was at Providence right. too. Yeah, and, and then he was just ready to go home. But here's a guy who started as a freshman on a team that was in the NCAA tournament. That's three years ago. So you would think three years later, if he's three years better than a guy who was a Big East starter on, on, a, uh, a, on a tournament team, uh, you know, he should be a great player in this league. Uh, from everything I've witnessed, he does everything the right way. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's, he's kind of a tough-minded kid. Uh, he can really shoot it. Uh, he's better defensively than I thought he would be because he's 6'8", and he's long, and he's smart. Um, I mean, there's a player who – is beyond most Missouri Valley type players. So yeah. that's, that's, that's encouraging to see. Uh, he should be a tremendous player. The fact that th- they got uh, Javon Freeman, um, you know, same deal. Here's a guy I, I'll watch play in practice. He does everything right. Uh, he's smart, doesn't turn it over, strong to the basket, super athletic. He's got a pretty looking shot. Um, he can, again, another guy should be a really good defender. Um, knows how to score the basketball and there's some guys there that we didn't have in on the court a year ago that gives gives me great excitement for this year well let's let's jump into it now we did this last year we did this last couple years um haven't had you so long here we had parker gatewood the one who was doing this and uh we set over unders i set over unders on uh, on players and i did a lot more research this year because last year we just kind of threw it together and you know, probably overhyped a couple of the newcomers a little bit, and uh, and and so I I've, I went through with uh, some people and set some numbers for some players, individual statistical categories, and then a couple team categories. So I want to go player by player with you. You've not seen these yet. I just want to give you the player, give okay. you the stat, and I want to I want to get your uh, your over under on this, and then uh, you know, end of the year we'll see where we're at. Okay. We're gonna go in numerical order. I'm just doing scholarship players. Sorry, Langston Stalling. I don't know what stat to give for him. Okay. The amount of A's that he'll get in a class because the guy's a genius, and I'd set the over on whatever it is. Uh, so let's start with uh, with Javon Freeman. Okay. Um, he's a freshman. Not really sure. You know, freshmen are going to play however many minutes or whatever, but uh, he's a scorer. Uh, we've set the over-under at 11.5 points per game. Okay, that's a good number. That's a fair number. I'm going to go under. Under? But that's okay. a good number. And it very possibly, that's a very solid number. I'm, I'll go slightly under. Okay. 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 So Javon Freeman, 11 and a half points a game. I'm also going to go under. I think uh, I think he'll probably be around like 9.8 points a game yeah. would be okay. where I'm going to go 11 and a half is a lot for a freshman, but he's a special player. And he'll, he'll play enough minutes where 11 and a half is possible. Uh, next up is a player that, you know, we're not really sure how many minutes Micah Bradford's even going to play now with you've got Freeman Liberty, you've got Deion Lavender, you've got Daniel Sackey. Um, you know, assuming Micah Bradford plays enough. Uh, so we've got an over-under here that is kind of, we're not setting a totality for, um, you know, points or assists or anything like that, but a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. 
for well, that's a good number. He was uh, he had one point seven to one last wow, year. Wow, that's a good number. I'll, I'll go under. Okay. But that's that's a good number, and uh, I, I don't know where Mike is going to fit in the rotation. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, he's been limited in practice. Um, uh, that may change, um, and, and I don't I don't know where things are going forward for him. Um, but there are a lot of guys at the point guard spot right now that are going to play. And, um, uh, you know, Micah did a great job at times last year, uh, but I'm going to stay under, but it's a fair number. Good numbers here so far. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, to me, it's really, it's really interesting to look at with, with Micah and his situation because, um, you know, he had 68 assists to 38 turnovers last year. And there was that stretch of the season where when he stopped shooting, he was, he was putting up huge assist numbers. And, Again, we don't really know where Micah fits in on, you know, with a lot of these other guys now, especially when you look at, you know, a Saki on the team or or a Freeman on the team. But the one thing Micah's got going for him more than anything else is he's a junior and he's got two years of Division One experience. And so, um, you know, so two to one assisted. I'm also going to go a little under, uh, but. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move to a newcomer, okay. but a newcomer who's got a lot of experience playing basketball, Dion Lavender, okay. and it's kind of a question of who Dion is. What are we? What is Valpo getting with Dion? And everything I've heard is that he is a a uh, high assist, low turnover guy. Right. He's a, he's he's not he's going to be very very good on the court moving the ball. And so we've set it at three point six assists per game. That again, that is a really good number. <laughs> uh I was all set to say under with Dion Lavender for assists because I thought you were going to go even a little higher. Oh, um, so I think last year, I think with Bakari, we were like 4.5 assists, yeah. which was just a, a terrible number. I think Bakari had something like 2.9 wow. assi- um, assists per game last year. I'll, I'll go under as well. But, uh, th- again, very close. All three, under but very close. 3.6, it's... I, I don't I'm 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 hesitant to go over <clears throat> or I'm I'm thinking of going over because I don't know how much he's gonna shoot. Bakari was more of a shooter, so when he, you know, had ninety three assists in thirty two games, yeah. you know, that he also took three hundred and twelve shots and by the time Joe Burton was gone he was the top right. shooter. So I don't know if Dion is gonna is gonna be the kind of guy that shoots a lot, and if he's not, then I think three point six assists is 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 good and I would take the over. Um Having not seen them play at all, maybe he shoots a little bit more. And if if he's got a good shot, maybe he doesn't have to yeah, average his, his that shot, many. His shot looks unusual, and I don't know if that's a bad thing. Uh, it's almost like there's a little bit of a hitch in his shot. Now, his shots look online, but his shot looks really, really unusual, and the fans will see it. Um, he has been the biggest surprise. Um, uh, I, I think there's been a few surprises, but he's right up there with uh, he's better than I think they thought they were getting. He's really, really solid with the basketball. Uh, he can get to the basket. Um, he's a true point guard, um, and he's going to do a lot of the ball handling, but Kari's going to play off the ball a lot more. It's pretty clear from what I've seen uh, in practice this past couple weeks. Now moving to the backup, uh, the freshman, Daniel Sackey, and this is a fun category. This is one that I really kind of enjoy because it's it's hard to tell how many minutes he's going to play, what kind of impact he's going to have, or anything like that. And you know, I try to have differing 
categories for each person. So I already did assists per game. We already did assists to turnovers. But I'm going to set the over-under, Daniel Sackey, at 18 and a half games of having more assists than turnovers. Okay. At, 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 the, at the end of the night, you know, maybe he's got seven assists and no turnovers. Maybe he's got three assists and four turnovers. Because right. he's going to turn the ball over some. It's just his style of play. But And uh, he's a freshman. I, I'll go I'll go over on that. Um, I, I love his game. Um, so if he has the same amount, that's that's it's not a push. Yeah, it doesn't count. So he's got to have more assists and turnovers nineteen times. I'll say over. Okay, that's yeah. good. I uh, I'm gonna go under because he's a freshman, and I do think that freshmen are prone to freshman mistakes. Now yeah. as time goes on, you know maybe he uh, he figures that out. But that's kind of an interesting category. That's you know? a really good category because there's gonna be a lot of days where he's got three assists, three turnovers, and then I, I, we don't that doesn't count. And and what I would say about this too is that and, and maybe. Actually, maybe I probably should have gone over because I don't know that Daniel Sackey will actually get enough court time to get seven turnovers in a game. You know what I mean? Like, uh, well, I think the other thing is, is the year goes on, he's going to get more and more comfortable, and yeah. um, they're really working with him on trying to figure out to limit the turnovers because he's an explosive, dynamic player. Uh, I love his game, and uh, he can really get to the hoop. Um, there is a lot of Eric Bugs in him. I, that, there's, there's a definite comp. The one thing that is clear, Daniel Sackey's coming in, a significantly better shooter than Eric Bugs. But there's a lot of similarities. He hounds the ball defensively. He has quick as get out, and he can really explode by people and get to the hoop. I've seen some dynamic plays in practice where he splits a, goes behind his back and splits a double team, like NBA-type plays. Um, this guy was a steal. Uh, everybody talked about Javon Freeman. Well, we got Javon Freeman. Uh, n- that's correct. And then J- Javon Freeman is uh, beyond a normal mid-major recruit. I think Daniel Sackey may be that as well. How do they how, how do they play together? I'm well, I, yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, both are really smart players. Uh, that's one thing that sticks out. Um, they're both very polished. Daniel will turn the ball over just because – he tries so many things out there. He's like a magician with the basketball, and he'll try to make the um, highlight-type pass. Um, but his energy, his enthusiasm, his athleticism, he will be a fan favorite. Moving to maybe the the face of the team this year, Bakari Evelyn. If there is a face of the team, Bakari is certainly uh, you know, one of the guys that's been around now. Uh, you know, in the program for a couple of years and, and really just playing last year, but uh, leading returning score at 12.6 points a game last year. But uh, if he's going to play off the ball, one of the things that, you know, he also led the team in three-point shooting uh, in terms of makes. He had 57 makes. Over under 39.5% from the three-point line. He was 38.3 last year. Does does he... What's the number? 39.5%. Yeah, I'll go over. Go over. I'll go over, yeah. Um, certainly, as the year went on, he looked a little more more comfortable. Um, it'll be close, but but I think uh, you know his ability to he got on that roll there in the middle of the conference where he was making everything, and um, I think that will hopefully carry over, and he'll play more off the ball. And this is a better offensive team than a year ago, so maybe he'll get more looks. Um, I think, yeah, we'll go over with that. I 
this next guy that, that's good I'm also gonna go over I think he'll uh, I think he'll he'll be in the 41 percent range of uh, three-point shooting um, I think uh, you know he's He's just an excellent player, and I think he's put in a lot of work over the offseason. Uh, this next one may be the fan favorite of the team, Marcus Golder. Such a great story to, to go to a JUCO. The JUCO there, the coach was nice enough to redshirt him so he would have three years wherever he ended up. Really kind of burst onto the scene last year. You know, we talk about a guy that Valpo maybe didn't quite realize how good of a player they were getting, and Marcus, you know, was was excellent Uh I, I went back and forth on a lot of different things. Where do we set over-unders for Marcus? Last year we did dunks at 30. Um, you know, he had— What was the number of dunks? I, you know, I don't remember how many he had. It was over 30. Though, I think right? so, yeah, yeah. You know, he had 16 blocks last year. I thought about looking at blocks as an over-under. He had 26 steals. Um, he led the team in defensive rebounds, which that is crazy to me. Um Actually led the team in rebounding overall at 138 rebounds, and uh, but then then I also kind of thought over under on how many games would Marcus start, and because mm-hmm. they're not quite sure where that's going to be, but but I pushed all of that aside because I was struck by a number. Um, he shot 49 percent from the floor last year, 49.3 percent. So I'm going to bump that up to 50 percent. Does Marcus Golder shoot over or under 50 percent from the oh, that's floor? That's a good number. I'll go under, but similar to last year. Um, you know, he, he shot the ball really well and he made a lot of tough shots. Um, but you know, part of his game is he's going to take some tough shots. Um, he's a, he's a guy who can go one-on-one and shoot contested shots. He could shoot 47 or 48% and still have a tremendous season. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I didn't realize number. I didn't realize he was that hot that he was up to forty nine percent. I just I guess you're not going to miss a lot of dunks, so that's at least right. thirty of his shots right there. Um, I also just looking at his numbers, he was the only guy on the team who shot better than eighty percent from the free throw line. I there's a couple people on Valpo rolling over in their graves yeah. right there with yeah. Valpo not you know shooting seventy percent from the line last year. Um, we will be a better free throw shooting team this year. I would think so. Um, your your top guys shooting free throws this year will be uh, Fizikas, Bakari, and Marcus Golder, all excellent free throw shooters. Yeah, uh, Jay Soroya getting into the big man a little bit here. Jay Soroya, not uh, not sure what Jay's status is. Looks like he rolled an ankle. Yeah. Um, and uh, and don't know any of the details of that. But uh, he's been one of the bright bright stories of of the preseason so far he's uh he this is a real shame he had been playing really really well and, and he, he rolled an ankle on friday last week so um he's he's been in a boot since um mri scheduled for wednesday um don't obviously know anything yet on that um and who knows it could be out for a few weeks he could miss uh the first month Total speculation. Here. Yeah, yeah. I don't not, know anything except sure. uh, uh, he's he's been in a boot. He's for, been spotted at for volleyball ne- matches for, in a for boot. nearly a week. He's been in a boot. Obviously, has not practiced. Hasn't done anything. So, um, who knows? He could miss a month. I mean, you never know with these ankles. Sometimes there there's some there's some ligament damage, in it. or he could play in two weeks when we open the season. Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, Soroya is a guy that uh, again. Looked like he was kind of grabbing a hold of the spot of the starting spot there in in, in the preseason, and we've been waiting for one of the bigs to be big, 
And uh, he, I mean, Soroy had 3.4 rebounds per game last year, but everything that I'd heard was that he was ready to take the next jump. And I'd set this number before he rolled his ankle. I had five and a half rebounds a game. Yeah. And and I guess where where, where do you see – assuming that he, he's good and he plays. Still going to go slightly under, but uh, he'll definitely average more than 3.4 rebounds a game. And, that, and that's one area. I look at this team and I say if there's one – Weakness. It may be rebounding. Um, you just don't have that dominant rebounder, and that's been a problem since Alec got injured. Uh, yeah. Apple struggled rebounding at the end of the season two years ago. Uh, we're not a good rebounding team uh, a year ago. I don't know. Um, I'm concerned uh, about that category heading into the year. That's one thing that sticks out in my mind is the concern – um, it's going to have to be a team effort. Derek Smith came in with obviously a lot of hype, given he's Rick Smith's son, um, very tall, and and I remember him joking early on as a freshman that he was going to go after Vasheel's blocks record. It's never really come to fruition. Another guy that you know, both those guys, Soroya and Smith, you look at them and you think, just be tall, just be you know, go and and, and be ferocious and. Um, Derek had 21 blocks last year, and uh, I was set the over-under at 25 this year. Now, if Soroy is out, Derek's probably going to get more opportunities there. But um, is, uh, is 25 blocks? I'm going to go under. Yeah. yeah, You're going under on everything here. Yeah. Almost almost everything. Yeah. Um, it's just in, you know, interesting, again, to look at Derek, 3.6 rebounds a game. Valpo you know, talks, touts the size and rebounding again is, is kind of a, a tough thing. But there's another player who, and I don't know that rebounding is going to, I mean, it's, he averaged 1.4 last year, but uh, if there's one player who has transformed himself a little bit in the offseason, it looks like Malik McMillan. What, before I give you the over under here, what have you seen from Malik here in the last uh, you know, couple weeks? He looks phenomenal. Um, I'm on record already. He looks phenomenal. Um, Scoring around the hoop, taking guys off the dribble, um, and that's why I'm, I've gone under on the two bigs because Malik's going to play some minutes at the five. Clearly, uh, in fact, uh, yesterday in practice he was playing with the number ones at the five. I think if the season started tomorrow, he would start at center for Valpo. Um, Jay looked like he had won the starting job, uh, and now he's injured. Um, Malik looks great. He's clearly lost some weight, but he's moving phenomenally. He's finishing around the basket. Um, he's making a lot of shots. Um, he is going to be a very difficult matchup at the five, and he's going to play a lot of minutes there. Um, I think he'll play some at the four. I think he would have to. Uh, one thing, just to point this out, Matt Lodick said to me yesterday at practice is, I mean, most guys are going to play one position. This isn't like – in the past, where guys would play like three positions, like Marcus Golder last year played about the same amount of minutes as the three and at the four. Um, Bakari even played almost all his minutes at the one, um, but then played some two. This year he's going to play almost all two, I think. Yeah. I'm not sure, but from everything I've seen, it looks like Deion Lavender's going to start at the one, and, and Daniel Sackey's going to back him up, and Bakari Evelyn's going to play maybe 30 minutes a game at the two. And uh, Javon Freeman is going to play a, a lot of most of his minutes at the three. And Ryan Fizik is going to play most of his minutes at the four. Uh, and the other guys we talk about are going to play most of the minutes at the five. Um, so 
uh, I think Matt feels like um, you know we've got quality guys at every position, and they're going to play their best position, and we're not going to move people around, and we're running a lot of sets where when you start moving them around positions, uh, there's more chance for them to get confused. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be completely different than what we saw for maybe the last 10 years at Valpo where you had guys playing multiple positions. So, okay, now looking at, looking at Malik, um, he's going to play five, which to me – as you said, it makes him a big matchup problem. Something he showed that he could do last year is float out and hit the three-pointer. Now, as a four, maybe he's a little bit more in position to do that. As a five, not really sure, but he's going to be matched up against guys that are going to have difficulty getting out there. So he hit 16 three-pointers last year, and it was something that really kind of evolved as the season went on. Um, knowing he might still play the five, that he's going to play a lot of the five, but still can hit shots, 23-pointers. I'll go under. over, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think one thing that's changing from last year to this year, he's just going to play a lot more minutes. So he made 16 last year as a freshman, and he's going to play significantly more minutes. Um, I think we'll, we'll go over. Um, and it's difficult being guarded by a five to get out there. I mean, he's going to get some shots from the three, uh, and he can really shoot it. I, I, I actually think that will be well over the 20. Okay. Good. I don't Good. want to influence other people who are listening and ready to vote, <laughs> but I, I'd be really surprised if that's not an over. Uh, John Kaiser, uh, okay. he's such a great guy. Uh, one of my favorite players to interview, and really another one of those guys that you look at and you think, you know, if he averages close to 20 minutes a game this year, kind of be surprised because that's mm -hmm. where he was at last year. Right. You know, somebody that, again, you know, Micah had 16 minutes a game. John had 18 minutes a game. And both of those guys, you'd think their numbers would go down a little bit. But but John is uh, one of the one of the players, one of the guys I always really liked watching was, uh, was Max Joseph as a guy who would just go in there and rip away offensive rebounds. Mm -hmm. Kind of a scrappy, undersized guy who would go in there in the trees and rip away these offensive rebounds. And I see the same kind of ferociousness from John a little bit when it when he's going in to grab some rebounds. He had 27 offensive rebounds last year. Um, so I, I, I've i got it set at 1.2 offensive rebounds per game. Wow. I, I think one thing that's going to be against John is there's going to be games where he only plays maybe six minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, he's – a lot of his playing time is going to be – predicated by, number one, an injury. If there's a key injury, suddenly he's a regular rotation guy. If there's not a key injury, um, he's going to struggle to get minutes. Um, his position is loaded right now. Javon Freeman, I think, is going to start at the three. Ryan Fizik is going to start at the four. And Marcus Golder is going to you know, play minutes at both positions. Um, where does John Kaiser fit in? You know, Those three guys ahead of him are – you know, three of the best players on the team. Yeah. So John's going to struggle with minutes. I, I've got to go under with that. Um, he's a good guy to have on the court. He doesn't – he's not a negative – you know, he, he gives you all the intangibles. As Matt Loddick uh, always said last year, I know what I'm going to get with John. Yeah. And I feel like if John's playing a lot, it's because Valpo's down and and he's going to try to get a spark, spark from somebody. Sure, sure I, can, I can see that. And, and again, there's going to be foul trouble and John's going to have to play. I mean, he'll play – um, uh, but there's, if everything goes as planned for Valpo, he's not going to be playing 18 or 20 minutes a yeah, game. So exactly. that, that's where I've got to go under. Um, in this last one, Fizikas, I'm going to let you set the over under and how many points you think he's going to score 
Because uh, I, I had a number down, and the more I think about it, the more I look at things, I th- I had 12 and a half down. Yeah, I would go. Let me go over that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go over that. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm going to go over that for sure. I, pro- I was When you said, said it, I was thinking 14.2. Okay. When you said said it, but you've said it at 12.5. Yeah. And I'm going on over. Okay. What, where would you, where would you, if you, if you were trying, if you were Vegas and you were yeah. trying to get people to bet on both sides of it? 14.2. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very good. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. I, I, I'm definitely going over the 12.5. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Tavon Walker and, last year averaged uh, 14.8, and Bakari averaged 12.6. I would uh, think Bakari and Ryan will both be 14, 15 points a game. I think those will be your two leading scorers. Um, Marcus Golder, 11. You'll have a lot of guys right around there. Um, Javon Freeman, 10. Um, and, and then a lot will depend on the big. I think Malik will average eight or nine points a game. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, hopefully Jay comes back healthy. He averages six or seven points a game. Derek, six or seven points a game. Um, Daniel Sackey, six points a game. Oh, right in there. Is that getting us up yeah, enough? Yeah, I know. I think as I'm just looking at, at kind of comparing and contrasting to to the points per game last year. And again, I mean, we're gonna they're gonna run a little more. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Bakari and Ryan both average about 15 points a game. Yeah, maybe. But those two guys figure to be the leading scorers. Um, the way things stand right now, and Marcus is your sixth man, but uh, he had that role a year ago, and it was very comfortable. Should be a double-digit score. It's not that unusual now in, in this day where you've got a guy coming off the bench and he ends up playing 25 minutes and he can he can average uh, double figures. And down the stretch last year in conference games, Bakari was up to 14 points a game. Right. Tavon, 13. you got to replace that by somebody. Marcus had 9.7. Uh, Max Joseph had 8.2. Obviously, that gets replaced. So, um, okay, let's look at some team numbers here. Um, wins at Arch Madness okay. over under one and a half. No, we got to go over. I mean, come on. <laughs> I unless, mean, unless we get a buy. Yeah, I mean, right? that's a, so if they finish seven, in the 7 10 8 9 game, you get the uh, extra game. You get an extra so, game. Yeah, so I and and we I think we both figure they won't be in that game. Um if they finish 7th, um that would be maybe even more likely they would go over. Um we got to go over it. So they got to get to the championship then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if. if okay. Yeah. Let's get to the championship. <laughs> okay, good. Um, we're, not, we're not wimping out here. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, after the conference tournament, postseason victories over under 0.5. Well, let's go over. <laughs> that, that includes NCAA, NIT, yeah. CBI, CIT, yeah. Vegas 16, if what they if bring that back. So if they don't play in any, then, then, then it's. Yeah, then you lose. I would be surprised if we're not in a postseason tournament this year. Uh, we did this last year. This is an interesting one. Um, over under on a conference winning streak, two and a half, or a conference losing streak, two and a half. Both different categories. But uh, you know, it, uh, I think a lot of people pointed last year Valpo's going to win. Uh, you know, Valpo's going to win four or five games in a row in conference, and uh, and they never they never did. They won two games in a row once against Southern Illinois. And we got to go over on that for sure. Over on the. Two and a half. Yeah, w- winning, winning two and a half. I wish I had the schedule in front of me, Paul. <laughs> I could tell you which three will win in a row. We'll go over. Okay. Over and then under on the uh, losing streak. Okay. Yeah. There you go. You're feeling good about yeah. the team. You're feeling good about the team. I like this. Uh, yeah, you know, I think um, right away. You know, end of January, 
At okay. home against Drake. Okay. At Win. home against Missouri State. Win. At Evansville. Win. There you go. There you go. Well, so that, that, actually, that, we should win those three games. I mean, anything can happen, but there's yeah. no doubt. Give give us those again. Uh, so this is uh, this is January 26th. Okay. Uh, at home against Drake. Ja- January 29th at home against Missouri State. Wow, this is a this is the stretch you want, and then and at then, Evansville, and then February 2nd at Evansville. I mean, yeah. I don't want to say anything bad about Evansville, but I think even their fans know that this is going to be a very difficult season for them. Um, they lost everybody, and they, well, Ryan Taylor's at Northwestern now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was everything for that team. Um, you know, their other guy who really carried him was Drew Smith. He's gone. Um, yeah, no. They, I mean, they're and then they team. had seniors who graduated. They got they have it is you got Walter McCarty there, who's like the Messiah down there. Um, but he's got a lot of work to do. Yeah, and if if I'm looking at a stretch of where maybe Valpo could lose three in a row, okay. it actually comes pretty early in in the conference season. You want to hold serve at home, but there's yeah. a tough home game on on Tuesday, January eighth against Bradley, who okay. projects to be yep. pretty good. Yep. Then you go on the road to Southern Illinois, on the road to Loyola, and then at home against Northern Iowa. Oh yeah, so there, those that would two be the road stretch. those two road games are real tough, and then either one of those because, home games right. are. You, you, well, you we'll have to really win know. those two games at home. That's exactly exactly. Okay. Other than that, I don't know that there's. Uh, there's a stretch, you know, late in well, the that, year. That, that January 8th game against Bradley is a huge game. Yeah, yeah. Because the, those next three games after that, extremely difficult. And then late in the year uh, at home against Southern Illinois on February 20th, and then on the road at Northern Iowa, on the road at Bradley, that's another tough okay, stretch. Sure. But then you end up at home against Evansville, which okay, senior should day a should be a win. So okay. I think there's two pockets of, of maybe three losses. So... I'm going to say over on both. Sure. I think uh, you I know, see that. I, I see think, that as being a very reasonable guess. Yeah, I'm going to go over on both. Um, and, and last year, I think I just picked over and under without ever really looking at the schedule. This year, I've kind of identified where I think it comes in. Um, attendance at the Arc. Set the over-under to last year at 3,000. And a lot of people, you know, Valpo fans are going to come out and support the team. I assume blah, blah, the blah. under one. The... Yeah, 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 yeah. 2,722 per game last okay. year. So 2,850 is the number this All year. All right, let's go over. You got to go over. Yeah. I mean, if and if the team, can, you know, wins, sure. that's going to continue to to draw people in. So I think sure. I'll go over as okay, well. Okay, good. I don't think it'll hit three on average. But, uh, you know, because, again, there's some unfortunate scheduling of where games fall on breaks and things like that. But, uh it should be good. Um, wins. Okay. I didn't even set a number here. I, I'm no asking number? you what number you think that uh, they went 15 and 17 last year. Yeah. 30. No. Okay. I mean, um, we, we, Concordia is a win in this Myrtle Beach tournament. I mean, the non-conference schedule is tough. Well, it's very let's, tough. Let's go 19 and a half. 19 and a half. That's that's reasonable. the number that we set last year, and I think. As a standard, year in and year out for Valpo basketball. The non-conference schedule is more difficult this year than it was last yes, year. It, yes, it is. Um, I think as a standard, year in and year out, 19.5 should be the number that Valpo looks at, right? right. I mean, if I, I remember Brandon Wood once told me, uh, he said, we come here to get 20 wins a season. Because yeah. if they yeah, got 20 wins a season, they got a banquet, they got a plaque and all of that. I think and, we'll win. I think 19.5 I think and I'll go over. There okay, you there you go. <laughs> I, I, I would probably think 19.5 is fair, but I think we'll be better than that. I would be surprised if Alpha doesn't win at least 20. Okay, final one. Finish in the Valley, over under 
five and a half. Yeah, I'm going with better than uh, yeah. fifth at so, worst, I think. So I think fifth at worst. Um, and there's five. I look at it this way. It's similar to how you look at it. I look at it a little different. I think Loyola and Illinois State appear to be the cream of the crop. Yeah. Those two clearly the cream of the crop. Then I would group actually the next four being similar in uh, Southern Illinois, Bradley, Valpo, and Northern Iowa. Yeah. I think those four are similar. And then I think there's the bottom four with maybe Indiana State the best and Evansville being the worst. But I think those b- bottom four figured if I think those teams should finish seventh through tenth. Was Valpo picked seventh? Yeah. And so and I think that's I think anybody who picks Indiana State ahead of Valpo does not look at the total rosters. And not sliding Indiana State, who's got a great player in Barnes. Um, but I think you look overall that you, with you adding uh, Javon Freeman and and Ryan Fizikas to this team. Um, I don't know how you could say that Indiana State should be a better team than Valpo. I know Valpo only won six conference games a year ago, um, and Valpo lost, you know, Tavon Walker. Nothing against Max Joseph, who, who's very he's a replaceable player. Let's be honest. Yeah, but Tavon Walker is replaced by Javon Freeman and nothing against Tavon, but wait till you guys see Javon Freeman. I mean, he's, he does everything that like, uh, Tavon did, but even, I think potentially even a little bit more. And then you've got Ryan Fizikas who, who could be an all conference player thrown into the mix here and everybody else a year older. And Valpo is going to be a much better team than they were a year ago. At least they should be where Indiana state, I don't know. Are, are they going to be better than they were a year ago? They lost. They lost Scott, who was the heart and soul of the team. So they do add Cooper Nice uh, right. at some point whenever the guy is eligible to play. Um, but but, is he a game changer? I'm uh, not. I'm not sure. He hasn't they, they love him in downstate Indiana. Okay. I'll say that. But uh, so yeah, you know, I I said that I thought uh, last week. I said um, Illinois State was my number one. Then Loyola then Southern Illinois, then Bradley. And those teams have been kind of grouped together right, by a lot of right, people. Right, and right. then this uh, Northern Iowa, Valpo, Indiana, Indiana State. State group. Um, Northern Iowa really loves what they've got with A.J. Green, and they got a couple of JUCO guys in there, including Trey Croft, who has apparently averaged like 30 points a game. Um, and then those bottom three, obviously, are the bottom three of yeah. uh, of And Drake. again, I, I think um, <laughs> I, I I just think that Valpo, from a talent standpoint, is pretty close on par with Bradley in Southern Illinois. So, um, you know, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> maybe I've watched uh, too many practices. Um, I think Valpo's going to make a step up. Let's see. Very good. Todd Icott, thank you very much for uh, for joining. Over on 19.5 wins, over on 1.5 Arch Madness wins, over on postseason victories and under on like every player category this is great thank you very much for for being here thanks paul always thrilled to have todd eichow on the podcast and obviously todd does great work and has forever still broadcasting football he'll have basketball the all-access coaches shows that he does is they're just they're great so okay you've heard the over-unders where do you think Valpo's going to fall? How many games are they going to win? How good are they going to be in conference? And how good are these players going to be, particularly the newcomers? Looking forward to the exhibition game next week. We'll have more details. Uh, follow me on Twitter at NWIORIN as we try to sort out the Soroya injury and how much of an impact that's going to have on the season. And then, uh, you know, 
we'll get into the exhibition game next week. Looking forward to breaking down that game and hope to be joined by NWI Times reporter Robbie Weinstein. Robbie has uh, joined the Times and uh, will be covering some VU along with me this year. Looking forward to having him. And uh, Robbie graduated from Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt, obviously coached now by Bryce Drew. And then he went to grad school at Northwestern, which Northwestern obviously knocked out Bryce Drew at the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. And I guess we'll uh, talk to Robbie about maybe that experience a little bit and what it's like to be a sports writer in the region. New guy, looking forward to having him on the pod and looking forward to the beginning of the 2018-19 season. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. <laughs>